So, man, what a great day to be in church. So glad you're here with us. Uh, turn your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Luke chapter 15. And we're going to read a portion of Scripture. As you're turning there, I just want to take care of a couple of things. As you know, we've highlighted it a bunch of times already. Um, but as you know, um, we are going to be celebrating, along with a lot of other believers next week, and a lot of, along with a lot of non-believers, but we're going to be celebrating Easter. And I want to encourage you, grab some of those flyers, invite some of your friends. And also, um, I need you guys to pray because I checked the forecast, and they said it's going to rain next week on Easter. But I don't think Jesus wants it to rain next week on Easter. Anybody else with me? Okay, so we need to unite our faith together. Let's pray uh, for great weather next week, and, uh, and we're going to have a great time. Rain or shine, we're going to do that Easter egg hunt. It actually would be kind of amusing if the, if the field is wet to see those kids running out there slipping and sliding. Um, but in, for insurance purposes, we don't want that. So, um, so let's pray that for great weather next week and grab some of those cards and bring them. Also next week, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me uh, to take up a special Easter offering next weekend. Now, most, most churches avoid taking up an offering on Easter or avoid, you know, you know, really pushing an offering on Easter. But I felt led by the Holy Spirit to do it. And so I want to encourage you to be praying this week and just talking to God and say, God, what do you want me to give? Obviously, your tithes, but do you want me to give above and beyond that? This is where it's going to go next week. Next week, um, we're taking a mission trip to San Felipe, Mexico. Well, not next week. We're not taking that mission trip. But, uh, and we have partnered with Sunshine Hacienda. And, uh, and we are going to begin to support them financially on a regular basis. Um, this is a great work that's just started up, an orphanage down there. And, uh, man, they're fired up about God and what God's doing. And we want to be a part of that. Uh, the Bible calls us not just to reach our area, uh, but to re- reach the uttermost parts of the world. And so we're doing that. It's about a five-hour drive from here. So if you want to get involved in that mission trip, but maybe you can't go, I want to encourage you to give something extra next week because um, 10% of whatever comes in next week is going to go towards that. Um, and we want to bless them. Also, we're going to be sending out uh, our very own Erin in August for one year uh, to be ministering down there. We're going to support her on a monthly basis. And so I want to encourage you to be praying this week and just say, God, you want me to be a part of this special Easter offering um, that we're going to do next week? Um, And then one more, actually two more things. Uh, Check out that table in the back for community groups. Some of them launched this week. Most of them are launching this coming week. And uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, We got some great, we have a family group or a parent group, I should say, um, that started up. And they already had a ton of people there. They're already talking, man, do we need to add another, another night. Um, And so if you are a a mom or a dad and you've got kids living at home and you want to just get out in fellowship with some other parents, how many guys think you could use some more input in your life as a parent on how to raise your children? I know I can't. Um, And every stage is different. I got a six-year-old and an eight-year-old and every stage is different. I want to hook up with some parents that have some teenagers right now. So now I know what I'm getting myself into. Come on, somebody. Um, I got two girls and I think I mentioned it last week. I thought about locking them up in the room until they turn 30, you know. Uh, but I want to learn from some more parents. Look, just because I'm a pastor here um, doesn't mean that I have it all together. Doesn't mean my kids are perfect. Matter of fact, I want to learn from some of you um, that have teenagers and that when I come into those seasons, now I want to learn from you if, if you've done well with your teenagers, okay? Now, now, well to me, if you have teenagers, is they're still alive. Come on, somebody. And they go to church at least once a month, all right? Okay? That's well to me, all right? And so if, you, if you're a parent of teenagers and, and uh, that represents you, I want them to get to know you and learn from you. And, and so there's some great community groups. And so check those out. Get plugged into one. Also, one last thing before I read this passage of Scripture to you. If you're here for the first time on the outside portion of that uh, program you received, uh, there's a contact card. Between now and the end of the service, if you wouldn't mind filling that out, 
That would be absolutely fantastic. You're in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read Luke 19 verse 10, and then I'll get with you. And it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save, everybody say it, the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You were lost one time, I was lost one time. How many are thankful for Jesus? Come on, somebody. Coming to seek and save, save you. And this is what He's doing in the earth today, still through your life, through the church, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 15, um, a whole, the whole chapter is dealing with three lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and then a lost son. We're going to read the portion about the lost son starting in verse 11, Luke chapter 15, and it reads, And he said there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Verse 16. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. How many of you guys think that's a pretty low place in life? Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against, against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I'm the only one excited about that verse. Mm. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But. Don't you like the butts of the Bible? But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate together. Now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard the music and the dancing, the, the celebration that was taking place. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he, he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. The father came out and, 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 and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And, will that, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this is your brother who is dead and is alive. He was lost 
and he is found. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, God, you would speak to everybody in this place, God, including me, that God, the, the revelation that comes from your scripture today would encourage us, God, it would challenge us, God, it would motivate us, and God, we would be different when we leave this place today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Last week we started this series uh, entitled Lost, and uh, we talked about, you know, a little bit about, you know, sometimes we lose things and how, how joyful it is when we find that again, okay? And uh, the, the Luke starts off talking in those scenarios, talking about the lost sheep. And how, man, how great that it is when you go and you find that one sheep that went astray or, or the woman who lost the coin and she celebrates and then we get into the sun in which we're going to talk about today. But last week we talked about relational wounds. How, how God comes and redeems us from those relational wounds in our life. How many have ever been hurt by somebody before? Okay. Most of us have. And those relational wounds that happen in our life and, and God comes by His grace and His love and His mercy and He, he covers those relational wounds and He, and he redeems us from that, uh, telling us we don't have to live under that wound any longer, but He's got something great for us. Can you say amen? And so we talked about that last week. Today I want to talk to you on the next several moments about being redeemed from bad choices or being redeemed from Stupid choices. I mean, ever made a stupid choice before? Okay, uh, whether whether it was just you know you just you're growing up and and you hit certain years in your life and you just make dumb choices. Come on, somebody. I'll tell you what I, I I'm I'm the youngest of four brothers and so I had uh, three wonderful examples of stupid choices in my life. Okay. Now I never had a sister growing up and for some reason either women are better at hiding things or they just make a lot better choices than guys do. Come on, somebody. And so I had, I had three wonderful examples of how to make bad choices, and so uh, I learned to make some bad ones myself. And I can't bra- blame my brothers for those, but uh, I made some dumb ones, and I was, I was thinking this week about all the dumb decisions. You know, as a pastor and you're studying through some stuff, you know, you got to think of some real-life examples, and I was thinking about all the dumb choices I've made in my life, some of them sinning against the heart of God, some of them just dumb choices. You know what I'm saying? You know, like throwing rocks at a car as it drives by at the age of six. I mean, you know, that's a dumb choice, you know? Why were you doing that? I just wanted to see what would happen, you know? And so, you know, starting all the way back to when I can remember, all the way up, you know, I'm thinking about all these dumb choices. I mean, one particular one that came to mind, and uh, why are you looking at me like you never made a dumb choice before? Okay? And, uh, and one particular one I remember was when I went to Hawaii. I played basketball in college, and, and one of the guys I played with, he was from Hawaii. And so after, after the season one summer, we decided, you know, I'm going to go visit my buddy in Hawaii. Now, that was, that was the good part of the choice, all right? Because come on, how many of you guys would like a vacation in Hawaii, all right? And so I chose, and so a buddy of mine went with me. I, I was probably um, 20 years old. And so I, I flew to Hawaii with my buddy and uh, got work off, man. We're going to have a good time. And, and we get there, and, uh, and come to find out when we get there, my friend does not have a car, Okay? One of the essential pieces of picking somebody up at the airport is that you have a car, okay? He didn't happen, have one, so, but he borrowed a friend of his, this old beat-up, like, 72 Cadillac, and uh, we were rolling in style, man, rust all over the thing. It was awesome. And, uh, and so he picked us up in that, but when we got to the house, we were, Dennis, how are we going to get around places? Well, it's not that far to the beach, man. I'll, I'll take one of you on my motorcycle, and then I'll come back, get the other one, I'll take that one. I said, yeah, but, yeah. I said, but how are we going to get around and see the rest of the island? We ain't going to fit three people on a, on a motorcycle. And so he said, you know what, I got a friend. I'll, I'll check into some things. And the car wasn't working out for us. And so he went and found a friend that had a little scooter, okay? 
a little scooter, okay? I don't even know if the thing was actually freeway legal, ladies and gentlemen, okay? But you could go on the back roads nonetheless. And, and so one day came around, we were going to drive to the north side of the island. It was a significant drive. And I said, okay, how are we going to get there? And he said, well, I'm going I'm to use my motorcycle. One of you will sit on that. And I got my friend's scooter. I said, okay, so we're going to take the scooter around the island. Oh, yeah, shouldn't be a problem at all. Okay. So we go, we pick up the scooter, and it's a small scooter, ladies and gentlemen. And so I'm thinking in my mind, my, my friend that I brought with me, he's about this size. All right, so I'm thinking he can ride on the scooter, I can ride on the back of the motorcycle. But in my friend that owned the motorcycle, his logic was, no, because you're so big, you'll, you'll slow my motorcycle down, and so you should go on the scooter. Does that make any sense to anybody? I'll slow them, but I won't slow the scooter down? Okay. So now picture, if you will, a 220-pound man on, on, on a little tiny scooter that doesn't even belong on the freeway, okay? And it's Hawaii, and I want to get my tan on, and so I got this really cool, you know, sleeveless cut-off shirt, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Got one of those on, you know, I got my shorts on, you know, and, and so I want to get tan. So, so I mean, sure enough, man, they get on the motorcycle, I get on the little scooter, and we're off, man. And, uh, and we immediately get on the freeway. Now, I have never ridden a motorcycle on the freeway, let alone a scooter that's not freeway worthy. Are you with me? Okay. And so, I mean, cars are zipping by me, and I'm, I'm a, little bit, I'm a little, bit, little bit worried. Well, about five minutes into our ride, it starts raining. Okay. I got my sleeveless thing on, my shorts on, and, and so I'm like this on the scooter. Because I, are you with me? Y'all, y'all, you can y'all see it right now? I'm like this on the scooter because I, I, I don't want the rain, so I'm just like, and then my friend speeds up, and I try to gas him some more, and I'm like, you know, and I'm just trying to keep up. I think we topped out like at 42 miles per hour, okay, and I just don't want the rain hit me, and so, so it's raining, and I'm just like, you know, shaking, and I'm trying to hide from the wind and the rain, and I'm going, and it's, I'm getting pelted, and, and uh, all of a sudden, my friend on the bike looks at me, he's like going like this, and I'm like, what? And he goes, look, and I look over, and there's a, con- a convertible there, and it stopped raining at this point, but I still don't want the wind to hit me. There's a convertible there, and it's got two good-looking girls in it. Now, I've told my wife this story, okay, so it's okay, and we weren't married at the time, okay, this is long before I knew her, okay? I'm 20 years old, I'm in Hawaii, and I'm single. Get over it, people. So... I see these two girls, and I, I instantly I'm like, look, and all of a sudden I realize I look like a t- complete dork, right? And so I quickly pop up like this and flex my muscle. Notice I didn't say muscles. I said muscle. I just because it was too much to flex both arms. So I was just like, give them one of those, right? So here we are trying to be cool. Now, something my friend, the, the, the friend said about his scooter was, be careful with it because the steering's having a little bit of issues. Big man, little scooter, freeway, steering having issues. Bad choice. So the convertible pulls in, and I think, hey, you know, my, there must be one to talk to me. I mean, because that's the sign right there, right? I mean, two good-looking girls in a convertible pulling up means, hey, pull over here and talk with us. So I did that, right? So I pull in behind him. I pull up next to him. And as soon as I pull up next to him, they look at me, and they just go, they get one of those. I was like, is that because I'm so cute, or I look like a dork, right? And so we try to build this conversation a little bit, and... Uh, it's not going anywhere, so I'm just like, you know, I'm out of here. I'm taking my scooter, and I'm going home, right? So I, I turn the scooter around, and I, I go to gas it, and I look back to give him one last wave, and I give it gas, and the steering locks up, and I smack right into the curb, going about 20 miles an hour, boom! And as I do that, the back end of the scooter goes like this, and I'm about ready to fall off. We have this ugly-looking basket on the front. Stuff's falling out of it. I clinch really hard on the scooter because I don't want to fall off of it. And then the back drops down and everything. So I'm just like, oh. And I'm afraid to look back now because I'm so embarrassed. Are you all with me? Can you picture this? And so on the scooter, because I'm a big man, I can just reach down to the ground and grab everything that fell out. 
the steering no longer turns, so now I pick up the front of the scooter, walk it like this, <laughs> drop it back down, give it some gas, and I begin to take off. But now I'm, I'm afraid to look back. You all with me right now? I'm afraid to look back. And now, then, now the steering is jacked up. I mean, the thing won't even turn, and so I have to drive the rest of the day like that. Next morning, about 7 a.m., Dennis! Dennis, what did you do to my scooter? And Dennis is like, what? Because I didn't tell Dennis about the whole thing, of course, right away. And so Dennis was freaking out, and I, I heard him arguing back and forth, and finally I felt so guilty. I just had to get up and go say, say something, and I said, look, man, it was my fault. I didn't tell him that whole story. I just told him, hey, look, it was my fault. I hit something. Boom. Come to find out that the guy actually just kind of laughed it off and said, no big deal. Later comes down that day, and he's like, he has a brand new motorbike. And I'm like, dude, where did you get that motorbike? He goes, man, there was this guy. He saw me on the scooter, and he liked my scooter, and so he swapped it out for his motorbike. I'm like, are you kidding? I was like, did you tell him the steering was jacked up? I was like, nope, but he doesn't know where I live. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Okay. Why did I tell you that story? I don't know. But it was a really bad decision and choice in my life to put a really big guy on a jacked up scooter. Okay? The good news is, is that God redeemed it. Come on, somebody. He got a brand new motorcycle. Come on, somebody. Okay? We've probably all made bad decisions in our life, but beyond bad choices and bad decisions, I want you to know something, that God redeems you from those ones that sin against heaven and sin against Him. And here today in this passage, we see a, a, a young man, a parable being told about a young man who not, only, who not only made a bad decision and a bad choice, but he sinned against heaven and he sinned against God. This parable that's laid out is being told to, to the Pharisees. If you re rewind to chapter 14, you see that Jesus has actually come to the house of the rulers of one of the Pharisees. And as he's there and he's talking with the Pharisees, now you've got to understand Jesus. Jesus knows the heart of the Pharisees. He knows, he knows the intentions of their heart. And so he's in their house and he's just sharing things and they keep asking questions and questions and it leads to a new parable and a new parable. Until finally we come to this one. And it's talking about you know, the, 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 the lost and, and what will one do to go? What lengths will they go to redeem the lost? And so he begins to tell these parables. The first two parables that we come across are pretty simple. It's a lost sheep. Now, sheep are an animal. And if you study it out, they're actually pretty dumb animals. Which begs the question, why does God compare us to sheep throughout the whole entire Bible? Anybody else thought about that? But then the next one goes on to the lost coin. Now the sheep and the coin really didn't play any part in getting lost. But when we get to the third parable, it begins to talk very specifically about someone that made a choice. And their choices caused them to be lost, as the Bible says. Now in this parable, you have three key figures. You have the Father, which represents God, and today could represent the church. You have the older son, which actually in this passage represents the Pharisees. And God begins to address and deal with their heart, really, which is the main focus of the latter verses, dealing with the heart of the Pharisees. And then you have the youngest son, which represents the unsaved person, or the person that has walked away from God and is now coming back. But I want to focus today on all of it, but specifically on the part of the lost son, the one that has made some bad choices, some bad decisions, and is now lost and needs to be redeemed. As we read through the passage, we can see this, that, 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 that the young man probably didn't go out with wicked intentions necessarily, but wanted to go and explore, wanted to do things on his own. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof leads to death. 
He wanted to take his stuff. He wanted to get out there and do his own thing. He comes to the end of that and realizes he has nothing. Now he's faced with this. He's faced with embarrassment because when he was back, at, back in the house, when he was back with dad, he had everything he needed. And here he is trying to make it on his own and it didn't work. How many of you guys ever tried to do something on your own? Come on, somebody. Only to realize, you know what? That don't work. That don't work. I talked to several people this last week, and their exact words, I'll, I'll paraphrase them, but pretty much their exact words were this, that, you know what, Pastor Ben? I, I know what it is to be in church and serving the house of God and living faithfully. And every time I do that, God takes care of me and I'm blessed. But the minute I step away and try to do it on my own, man, I make stupid choices. I make bad decisions, and there's no covering. This is where the son finds himself, and now he faces embarrassment, shame, regret, and guilt. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I face those same exact feelings when we sin against God, when we make a stupid choice. We, we, we face those we, we feel embarrassed. We feel that shame. We feel that guilt. And we feel that regret. The good thing about guilt is this, not shame some, but guilt, is that it's one of the tools the Holy Spirit uses to lead us back to Him. Here He is experiencing embarrassment, shame, guilt, regret, all these things. And we feel like this from time to time. And we see this throughout the whole entire Bible. That when people sin against God, there's that feeling of shame, regret, guilt, remorse. We see it right there in Genesis. And I love this, I love this, I love this verse. I believe it's Genesis 4, 7. But it's when, it's when Cain, maybe 3, 7, it's when Cain and Abel come and bring their sacrifices. And Abel brings a sacrifice and, and God receives that sacrifice. Cain comes and brings his in, and he didn't bring the right sacrifice. And he didn't present it with a good heart. Similar to maybe what Caleb talked about this morning with offering. But here's the cool thing about God. God does not look at Cain and say, you foolish son. You blew it. He looks at Cain and he says, look, Cain. Although a righteous man falls, here's the deal, Cain. If you do well, Cain, you'll be accepted. If you do well... Man, you, you can come right back on in. But if you don't do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. Man, we're talking about a God who gives many, many chances. But think about Cain in that moment. God obviously saw something on Cain that he felt guilt, he felt remorse, he felt regret, he felt all those things. And God says, hey, Cain, shake it off, buddy. Are you with me? And get back and do well. Get back and do well. We walk through all the things that the son walked through. And I want to walk you through them very quickly. When we make a bad decision, we blow it, we make a bad choice. We walk through these same things. Number one, we do what the son did, and that is this. Number one, we hide from those we know. We hide from those we know. I mean, you know what I'm talking about right now. Okay? The son, once he ran out of everything, here he is, and the Bible says this. He didn't go immediately back. The Bible says he sought out somebody in that country he was at. Right there where nobody knew him. And he decided to stay there. He sought out some help in that country. Why was that? Because if he went back, man, that shame, that guilt, that remorse, all that stuff, man. How many of you guys ever blown it before? Come on, I got some honest people today. We do this. We hide from those we know. Listen to me. It's a sure sign. When somebody drops off the face of the planet 
and, isn't, and hasn't communicated necessarily and, 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 and isn't coming to church anymore. And I don't mean this church, I mean church in general. Listen, if someone, if someone feels called to another church, that's an okay thing. Are you with me? Okay? The kingdom of God is a lot bigger than urban. Thank God. There's all there, many people going to heaven, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Although we're growing, okay? We're reaching more people. Need your help. Easter weekend, next weekend, invite somebody, okay? I remember one of the churches I went to in Seattle, the pastor would stand at the door, the pastor's wife actually would stand at the door, and I was okay with that until I blew it. And I remember that, that first time when I kind of blew it a little bit, and I wasn't even nothing, you know, major, because I was a pretty perfect kid. I'm just joking. I remember coming in, and, and there she was standing at the door, greeting everybody like normal. But on that Sunday, it just seemed like she kind of looked at me a little bit differently. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember when you're growing up, and you, 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 you know, you blew it, and you just, mom and dad would look at you, and you're just like, they know. I know they know, and they have no clue. But they just look at you with those eyes, and you end up just spilling the beans and telling them everything. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's the way the sun, that's why we separate ourselves from people we know, because if we get around people we know, they're going to know. They're going to know. Some of you feel that way when you walk in on Sunday morning when I'm shaking hands. That's why y'all come late. You learn that by the second song, Pastor Ben's usually up there, you know. Maybe not quite like that, but okay. You've learned, okay, I can come. I'll, I'll come about 1040, 1045. Come on. One of these days, we're just going to hold out until you get here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to sneak into your house and set your alarm clocks differently. Okay. Some of you feel that way when you come here. Some people feel that way when they go to church. Okay. Now, there's a difference between guilt and condemnation. Okay. And some people need to get those two things straight. Because what you're feeling when you walk through that door, that's guilt, not condemnation. Because we're some of the most loving, caring people you'll ever meet in your life. See the gleam in my eye? The son doesn't want to come back, and so, so we do what he did is we hide from those we know. He stays away. We don't, some, we, don't want, we don't want anyone to know the shame. We don't want to have to confess our sins. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, that is a tactic of the enemy. It keeps us away. It's, man, they'll find out, and they're going to have to confess. Yes, confess. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Not only that, James says, hey, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. The very thing you want is the very thing you're hiding from if you don't get around those that know you. That was a good point. Get the church. Get around some, some believers. Get into a community group. Share your struggles with people. Now, I know why we don't sometimes, because the church is sometimes the most judgmental people. Are you with me today? I know that feeling. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person. Matter of fact, God, you know the thing I get probably accused of the most is being too gracious. Ask, ask my leaders. Sometimes they have to slap me and say, Ben, no, you can't be gracious on this one. That person blew it, and you need to tell them. And so I'm working on being more judgmental, so bear with me, okay? Man, extend grace, man, as the church, as the body of Christ. And so we tend to hide. Listen, don't hide. Don't hide. Man, come to Jesus. 
get around some, some people, get around some believers and share your stuff. Now, I didn't mean you have to share everything, but if you're going through a struggle, I had somebody text me this week, man, hey, man, this is what I'm dealing with. Can you help me? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to help you. That's what I'm here for. I just, I just want to help people. Number two, we walk through all the things the son walked through. Number two, we try to fix things ourselves. Another dumb choice. Listen, you know, it's not like math, okay? Two, two negatives don't equal a positive, okay? Two dumb choices aren't going to equal a right choice. <laughs> it's going to equal a third dumb choice and a fourth dumb choice, okay? Here we see this, that, that not only did he stay away from those he, he knew, he said, you know what, I've lost everything, but I'm going to get me a job. And I'm going I'm to earn me some money, and I'm going to get some stuff back. That's what he tried. He tried to fix it himself. We do the same thing. I, I don't need to talk to anybody. I don't need to confess with anybody. As a matter of fact, you know what? I know that altar call, it's probably for a lot of people. And so they're going to be busy praying for others. And so I, I think I'm mature enough as a Christian. I'll just stay right here in my seat and I'll just, I'll just do business with God. Well. <laughs> I'm trying to get away from the come on somebody because... There's some people in here that like it too much, so I'm trying to add some new. Well, okay. We try to fix it. I'll, I'll just stay here. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just work it out with God. Yes, there are. You need to, the Bible says to, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Exercise. Yeah, you need to do all of those things. But listen to me. If there's ever, listen to me. It's never God telling you, you know what, just sit in your seat. Don't tell anybody. That's never God. That's never God. Are you with me? That's, that's never God. Now, God might not always tell you you need to talk to somebody, but he'll never tell you, hey, you don't need to do that. Don't, don't confess that. Don't, don't just, that's between you and me. We'll take care of it. That's not God. That's the enemy because the enemy knows this. If he can keep you there, he can keep you in a place where you won't prosper, where you won't grow, where you won't. Are you with me today? Okay. The son does that. And he stays. And he's like, now, now, now listen, fixing things that you don't know how to fix is not a good thing. My daughter got this little thing called a DG, which is like a leapster thing. And uh, she's, play, you know, she's playing this thing. She had it for one year, and uh, we went away for Christmas. This last Christmas. She got a bunch of new games, and on the way back, she dropped it in the airport, and the screen broke. I felt so bad because they don't sell this particular. That's why she got so many games, because they're all on, come on, somebody, discount. Got them for like three bucks a game. I was like, sweet. Okay. So she has all these games, and now she can't play it. And I think, you know what? I think I might be able to fix this thing. I took it all apart, and I looked at it, and I was like, I have no clue what I'm doing. I even tried to remember where I, you know, write it down, okay, this plugs into that. But when you get into that thing, and the parts start getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, it's just like, just crunch it all back together, screw it, and I don't know, it's not working at all now, baby. God must not want you to have it. You're supposed to fast from video games for a while. Don't, don't, don't try to fix things that you can't fix. Listen to me. You can't fix yourself. That's one of the biggest lies of the enemy. You cannot fix yourself. When's the last time, when's the last time you just threw dirt together and created a human? <laughs> you can't do that. What makes you can, think you can fix the dirt? Come on, somebody. You can't fix it. He will fix it. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Like, like he tried to fix it on his own. It doesn't work. There's a way that seems right, but guess what? It just leads to worse things. Got to repent. Acts 3.19 says repent so that times are refreshing. 
could come upon you by the Holy Spirit. Only one, only, if you're sitting here today, say, I want to be refreshed. I want to be, I haven't felt your presence in a long time. Maybe you need to look in your closet and see if there's some junk in your trunk. Come on, somebody. Well, thank you. Church is fun, isn't it? I keep telling myself, though, that they're laughing with me, not at me. They're laughing with me, not at me. Number three. Number three. Number three. We walk through the same things that the sun walks through. Number three, we get works-oriented. We get works. We're going to do religious works. If I serve enough, they'll never know. If I do enough good deeds, look what the sun does. The sun goes, he realizes, the Bible says this, he actually came to his senses. What am I doing craving the pig's food? What am I doing trying to fix it on my own? What am I doing, doing here when I, I can go back? Here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. I will go back to my father's house, but I won't be a son. I'll work really, really hard. And if I work really, really hard as one of his hired hands, then I can have some of the food, I can have a place to stay, and I'll have some clothes. And you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and I'm going to work really, really hard. When we blow it, that's, that's, that's the process. We, we get this thing, you know what? I'm just going to do lots of good things. Pastor, I'm ready to serve now. Sign me up. Where do you want me to serve? You must be sinning, huh? I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> Maybe that's the way to get a lot of people signed up. You know what? Everybody go sin this week. Come back next week. We're going to sign you up for a place to serve in church. We try to do all these things to cover up the fact that there's an issue right here. Here's the number one way I see it in people's lives. I've come, and, and I didn't know this until I, until I started a church, okay? The people that usually kind of come in gradually and kind of check things out and kind of fill it out for a little while, those are the people that are actually doing really good with God. It's the people that show up and on the first day are usually like, Pastor, I love you! And I love this church, and I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do! Sign me up. Did you fill out a contact card? No. How do you want me to contact you? I'll, I'll, I'll get in touch with you this week. What are they doing? They're trying to do these works to cover up the fact that there's some deep-rooted sin in their life. It's getting quiet. Now, for some of you that are doing well with God, that was not an excuse for you to check it out for a couple more months before you get involved. We get works-oriented. We try to do really good things. But can I tell you something? There's nothing you can do. His grace and His grace alone does it all. So here, check this out. This is my favorite part of the whole entire story. The son finally comes back. Comes to his senses. He got his own idea about how he's going to do things and how it's going to all work out. And he's excited and he's coming back. But the Bible says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming and ran to him, which tells me this, that every day the father was going out looking for his son that would return one day. He was out there seeking to save the lost. Is somebody with me right now? His grace was so good that after his son had left and spent everything, it wasn't just happenstance that one day the father went out and said, well, maybe today I'll just try it one time. No, I tell you this, that day after day, the heart of God is looking to and fro throughout the 
the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are loyal to Him so that He can show Himself faithful. And this is God looking for the lost son, looking for the lost person, looking for the lost daughter, waiting for them to come to their senses so He can embrace you and welcome you back into the kingdom of God. That is not a condemnation thing. Come on, somebody. That is a graceful thing that only He can do. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we see Him. And there He is. And He, he, he comes and He embraces Him. He didn't even wait till He got to church. Hmm. He goes out. And he finds Him. He embraces Him. Look at what the Father does. And can I just tell you something? If we would do these things the Father does, we'd have a whole lot more people in church. Stop judging. Start extending. Run to Him. Embrace Him. Welcome Him back in. The Father. We see the Father looking for Him. We see the Father running towards Him. Remember the church, or the, the, the Father represents God, but it also represents the church on earth today. The Father's looking for Him. The Father's running towards Him. The Father embraces Him. The Father celebrates Him. The Father restores Him. And the Father silences the accusation of the religious people. Wow. Wow. The religious people, the Pharisees, the Son, the works-oriented people. Here comes the lost. <laughs> What's so special about them? Well, if you'd stop looking with your pride, you'd realize the thing that's so special about him is the thing that's so special about you. The Father stands there, welcomes and celebrates him. Let me tell you something today. God is waiting for you to confess your sins. God is waiting for you to give up your junk. God is waiting for, he's looking for you. He's literally standing on the edge saying, son, daughter, come on home. Come back to be with me. Come back to, to be in my house so I can cover you. Listen, it's not gonna be like, okay, all right, you gotta sit for the next six years and you do this, then I'll restore you. Listen to me. I know why people don't confess their stuff in church or to believers because we're really good at punishing and really horrible at restoring. I mean, I look at David, and how can, how, can we take, how can we take biblical principles and not apply them to every area of our life? I mean, here you have, I, I just read about another pastor that's fallen morally, and what a devastating thing. But I wonder how many more pastors might come forward and say, you know what, I've blown it too, if the church had a model of restoration so that we could heal them and see them restored and see them walking in their full potential. I wonder how many more Christians would come forward and say, you know what, I've blown it. If we had this model of let's get this thing restored. Let's make this thing good. Let's make this thing beautiful again. And yes, I know there's two pieces at work. There's the, there's the people in the church working, but yes, the person has to work too. But man, when those people come and they confess their stuff, I mean, look at David. David killed somebody so that he could have somebody else's wife after he'd already committed adultery. He gets confronted with his sin, and seven days later, he's sitting back in his throne. Sure, there were some other things that he lost through that. But how can we not apply that biblical principle to people that have repented? Somebody with me today. He is the most gracious, the most loving, 
the most amazing. And that's the church that he wants us to be, to welcome people back in when they're trying to hide, when they're trying to fix things themselves, and when they come and get works-oriented. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, I pray this morning, first and foremost, God, for those people that are here right now, God, that are running, God, they're hiding, God, they're trying to fix it themselves. God, they're, maybe they're getting works-oriented, but yet there's still some stuff in their life that they need to just say, man, pastor, here I am. This is what's going on with me. God, no matter how grievous the sin, no matter, no matter how much they think it might upset, Lord, I pray that today would be a day, God, where we deal with some stuff. God, today would be a day. Hallelujah, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. The greatest reason why we celebrate Easter, the greatest reason why I celebrate Easter I was talking to somebody outside the doors, 62 years old, Friday night. And since the age of 10, for 52 years, has struggled with the meaning of Easter. She's gotten different definitions and different reasons of why we celebrate. But let me tell you why I believe we celebrate Easter. It's because we're no longer separated from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That by what Jesus Christ did on the cross through His death, burial, and resurrection, you and I could be restored to that great God that we proclaim to love. The stuff in our life that separates Him because of Easter no longer separates us. Hallelujah. Sin is forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, so has your transgression been removed from your life. Hallelujah. 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 Stop hiding. Stop running. Stop trying to fix it yourself. Get into the presence of God and get into the presence of God often. Hallelujah. 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 Why, 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 why am I so passionate about church? Why am I so passionate about more people coming and getting in the presence of God? Because here we can help keep each other accountable and how are you doing? And really see beyond the I'm doing fine, but really see what's going on in somebody's life.